Welcome to the Grass-Fed Podcast with husband and wife team Nabil Boomrar and Caitlin Weeks. Caitlin is a certified nutrition consultant and the creator of grassfedgirl.com. Nabil is a classically trained chef who works in a five-star hotel in downtown San Francisco. They are the best-selling authors of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. Together, Nabil and Caitlin answer your questions about healthy cooking and wellness while helping you learn to enjoy a relaxed paleo primal lifestyle. Here are your hosts, Caitlin and Nabil. Welcome to the Grass-Fed Podcast with husband and wife team Nabil Boomrar and Caitlin Weeks. Caitlin is a certified nutrition consultant and the creator of grassfedgirl.com. Nabil is a classically trained chef who works in a five-star hotel in downtown San Francisco. They are the best-selling authors of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. Together, Nabil and Caitlin answer your questions about healthy cooking and wellness while helping you learn to enjoy a relaxed paleo primal lifestyle. Here are your hosts, Caitlin and Nabil. Welcome to the Grass-Fed Podcast with husband and wife team Nabil Boomrar and Caitlin Weeks. Caitlin is a certified nutrition consultant and the creator of grassfedgirl.com. Nabil is a classically trained chef who works in a five-star hotel in downtown San Francisco. They are the best-selling authors of Mediterranean Paleo Cooking. Together, Nabil and Caitlin answer your questions about healthy cooking and wellness while helping you learn to enjoy a relaxed paleo primal lifestyle. Here are your hosts, Caitlin and Nabil. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Grassfed Podcast. My name is Caitlin from grassfedgirl.com, and I'm here with my friend Lydia Wenty, who's a lifestyle coach here in Nashville and all over the world via Skype and FaceTime and whatever. So she is here to help us today with our binge eating, which I'm sure none of you do, just me. Uh, so we're going to delve into that topic, and I'm really excited because so many people, I periscoped about this before, and so many people write to me and comment to me all the time about this topic, so I know that it will really help a lot of people. And Lydia has been working with clients for many years, and she has a lot of expertise to share with us, so I'm really excited to have you, Lydia. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on, Caitlin. I'm, I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, it'll be fun. And I mean, it's a serious topic, but I think we also have to, you know, not take it too seriously and, you know, get away from the shame and the guilt and all that kind of stuff because, you know, it's something that we can work on and work through and it's nothing that we have to hide from. And, you know, there's a lot of good reasons for it and a lot of good tips we can use to overcome it. So uh, I'm just excited to help anybody who may be struggling out there with this and know that it's okay and you're okay and we love you and you can love yourself and all that. So um, so let's get started with the question. So how did, I mean, why did this, I know you've been working with people with all different types of 
of issues and, you know, helping them with their businesses and their health and, you know, lots of different topics. Why is this one, you know, why does this call to you? Yeah, good, good question. Um, because there really, there's so much in it. It certainly didn't start out this way. Like, I didn't even know what food addiction was or what binge eating was um, until it totally consumed and wrecked my own life. So I think it's one of those things that's like, well, it's close to your heart usually if you have your own story about it. So you're right. Like, um, I for many years, um, was uh, a coach mostly, you know, for physical health, you know, helping people to create lifestyle changes, get their blood sugars in balance, lose weight, you know, get off medications, like, you know, all of these things that were so exciting to me and still are. And that's how it started out for myself is I never felt like I had any power over my weight or my health. I just kind of did stuff. And no matter what I tried or didn't do or did do, I just felt like nothing made a difference until it did. And I feel like it worked and it clicked. And I was so excited. I'm like, wow, I can lose weight and everyone can lose weight and the whole world should lose weight and we can all be healthy. And I created a career in it and, you know, it's what I was good at helping people do. And what I didn't see was the other side of it of, okay, well, yes, you know, become healthier, but I always felt like I was the example and I had to go more and, you know, leaner and fitter and, and I didn't know what was what was coming for me. So I remember um, I was getting down to a pretty low um, body fat percentage, especially for, for my form. I'm more of like an earthy, curvy kind of girl naturally. Um, so for me to say, you know, point at the girl in the magazine and say, if I work hard enough, I can do that. Um, that's really what I was going for. And I was getting close. And so what happened for me was this weird thing popped up where I would just get so hungry, just like insatiably hungry. And it was like, I was just thinking about food all day and really fighting it. And it's like, if I let myself at all have a little extra, I'm talking like a carrot, <laughs> like anything. It was like the floodgates would open and it was so unpredictable too. And I would just get into this mode where I could not be satisfied and I would just eat and eat and eat and eat. And the only thing that would stop me was physically feeling pain, like painful, like can't get up, um, like just terrible pain. And I was so full. I would just stuff myself with food. And I never had that little switch in my brain that said, okay, you're full now. Um, it was just gone for me. And then I would panic and I would say, okay, healthy woman, that is a symbol of health. Like <laughs> what on earth did you just do? Well, now you've got to make up for it. So I was never, um, so now that I kind of have language and labels for it, um, you know, I was bulimic for many years, but I, I didn't do the purge as in throwing up. I tried so many times, like seriously, I like wish I could be a bulimic and throw up. I'm like, I could throw up and all my problems would be solved, which intellectually I knew was not right. Um, but I, because I couldn't throw up, I would just restrict my calories even more. I would work out even harder um, and just kind of see how long I could last until I would do it again. So, so that's so bulimics don't have to throw up. Good I mean, question. I, and I, I didn't even understand it until definition. I, Oh, sorry. Say that again. I thought that was part of the definition. 
Oh, yeah. So that's a good clarification. Um, so the bulimia is just that that binge and purge cycle. So different people's purges are different. Some people just like won't eat. Some people will overexercise. Some people will throw up. It's this, this the idea of like eating a large amount of food and then kind of recovering, doing something about it. Trying to make up for it. Exactly. Yeah. Good, good clarification. And I didn't understand that until I was understanding what was happening with me either. And I was like, wow. So there's a thing like food addiction and there's binge eating. And I really just thought I was my own brand of crazy um, <laughs> until I looked into it. So everyone, no man is an island. <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes you feel like it, right? Like oh, yeah. no one understands me. I, and a lot of people will hide this. I work with so many clients that I'm literally the first person they've told. Like they're hiding this binge eating from everyone in their life and they I just, just thought everyone Benji <laughs> <laughs> see it's like we're all different right it's like yeah I, I realize that now because it's kind of the same mechanism and I'm not saying that like if you overeat you're a binge eater but like we all kind of have this space where like wow I ate for different reasons than just food and I'm not happy with those reasons or you know I'm eating because of emotion or because of stress or like you know we all kind of have that place where like I did something that has to do with food that I didn't want to and it's confusing so yeah that's how yeah, I was a I lot of years I think that yeah there's a difference I remember like as a child just eating like for fun just like pigging out for fun and then like in a certain point in high school or something it became more of like it became more like about sh about hiding and shame and like trying to make up for it and all that kind of stuff so i think that's the difference maybe you're a little bit you're talking about yeah and the thing is like it's fine to eat for fun or on a special occasion or because you know you eat green eggs and ham on march 2nd because it's dr seuss's birthday you know what i mean like there's so many reasons to to eat that can just be normal and, and wonderful um but when we start eating in ways that are really kind of you know controlling and wrecking our life and are taking so much mental energy that's really a great place to step in and say okay well let's find a way to not do that if it's not making you happy let's change it yeah especially if you're like stealing food from your family or they're getting mad at you because you know, you, you probably withdraw from people, right? And, you know, if, so it can be like an antisocial kind of behavior and bother your family and stuff like that, your spouse. and Oh, yeah. And I feel like it manifests in so many different ways. So, like, for me, when, I mean, some people, when they're alone, I remember having the feeling of, like, I wish everyone would just leave me alone. Like, leave the house. Like, I don't want any friends. I don't want anything social. I just want to eat. Like, that's where I could be happy. But then I would have um, I would have binges in public too. It was so embarrassing. Like I would go out to dinner with people and be binging, or be at somebody's house and just get in this binge mode and literally be like eating their food. It was really, really embarrassing. I yeah, I'm so happy to be free of that. So yeah, my husband will always be like, he'll go like we'll go to somebody's house or something, and like if I eat too much or if 
he'll always be like, you know, save that for your own house. Like, don't, <laughs> don't pick out at somebody else's expense, you know. That's not fair. Yeah, and I never wanted to, you know, like, if I felt like I had some control over my binge eating, I would just not do the things that were humiliating, you know, and that makes me, you know, made me feel even worse, um, because the lack of control. So yeah, it's, it's a hard, anyone who's listening, who this is a regular thing in your life, like, I feel yeah, this is really not a fun place to be. The worst is when you eat somebody else's stuff, and then they're mad at you. <laughs> But yeah, you were yeah. like in like uh like you were in like another state of mind like you couldn't control yourself at all like you were like I'll buy you more stuff I'm sorry yeah or like you you find ways to navigate around it seriously like it, you know I had all of, it's amazing what your brain will do when it kind of takes over and you feel out of control like I was a master of like oh, is that good? Could I try one? Or, oh, you know what? Sure. Yeah, I'll snack on something. Oh, well, do you have some of these? Like, I had so many ways to get more food. It was so just kind of an obsessive thing for me. And I think also, I mean, that behavior, I mean, I'm sure you could speak to this. If you could move from one thing to another, so like, I could do the same thing sometimes with alcohol or with whatever the next thing was like, depending on the time of my life, you know what I mean? So like I would, I would obsess about something else, like just to maybe feel comfortable in a social situation or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I can't remember where I heard it, but I've heard the phrase of like, you're switching seats on the Titanic, right? It's like, whether it's food or alcohol or social media or whatever you're kind of like binging on or like numbing yourself with, like the ship is going down. Like the idea is get off the ship. Don't just, you know, switch around seats. Okay. Well, um, so, I mean, where do you think it starts with the, the binge eating? I mean, how does it come about in most people? Yeah, that is such a good question. And that, that was actually one of the most powerful things for me to learn and realize. And something that I really um, help my clients make a shift in perspective in. Um, there, there's the traditional. And really, when you start asking people, I think this is kind of a prevalent idea, is that binge eating is fulfilling some need, right? It's like, I'm not happy. I'm filling that with food. You know, I'm lonely or like something happened in my childhood or like my relationships are off or my stress is too high and food is a coping mechanism. It's the thing that, that I'm doing. Um, and a great example of this is a client I just started with. I mean, she's been binging for over 20 years and she has gone to years and years of therapy. And she's like, and I fixed all that stuff. All the stuff she went to therapy for, she fixed. But she still binge eats. And so there's this idea of like, fix your life and your binge eating will go away. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with therapy, especially if it helps you with things in your life. But I have a more direct approach. And it's the thing that has helped me and my clients so much. Where if you're eating massive amounts of food, work on not eating massive amounts of food instead of like fixing all this other stuff and hoping, um, which has a low success rate of this eating issue to just go away and understanding it as a habit. 
binge eating is a habit that we form. It can, it can be from lots of different things, but we want to feel good. So maybe that first time, and it may be because of loneliness or depression or whatever that thing is that starts it, but it doesn't, it's not caused by that necessarily. It perpetuates because it becomes a habit. So like, you know, I feel stressed, you know, I ate a ton of food. Um, your brain says, oh, that's a good thing because we feel better or numbed or we got something from that. And then you do it again. And it literally just becomes a habit in your brain. So when you think of it like a habit, then you just work on stopping the habitual behavior. Another big reason, and I, this was the reason why it started for me, and this is kind of a common thing, is like extreme dieting. Like when you really cut your calories down um, and you deprive your body, um, the part of your brain that's really in charge of your survival um, perks up a lot. And it can seem like it takes over because it's like, okay, you're going to starve us. Well, then we're going to turn off this feeling of fullness and we're going to turn off your self-control and we're just going to eat a ton of stuff because it's a famine and there's a box of cereal, so we should eat the whole thing. So depriving ourselves, um, extreme diets like low calorie, those sorts of things will a lot of times kind of start the cycle. But essentially, it's a habit. Does that does that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, I think I definitely can see that um, because it, you know you go into that fight or flight, like freak out mode. That your body is like. It's going to override your whatever diet you're on at some point. You know, you can only, I mean, when I was in high school, I used to be in competitions with my friends over, like, who could go the longest, like, hours of the day without eating. We could never, we weren't, like, I mean, I wouldn't say we were anorexic because we would eventually just start picking out because we couldn't do it for more than, you know, eight hours or something like that. But so yeah. it never really worked, but that was what happened. And then it was almost like when you started to eat, you were in a trance. It was like you just needed to eat. And, you know, I worked with clients for a long time, and they would always say, well, I don't eat. I start out the day so good, and I don't eat bad, you know. And then, But then at night, I just like, but it's like, well, if you tried to starve yourself all day, you're going to over, your body's going to override you, and just you're going to, make up for it and double time and triple time, you know? <laughs> yep, exactly. And you brought up some great stuff, like that that possessed feeling, like you're hijacked, like or that fight or flight. It really is that part of your brain um, that feels like it takes over. That's the survival part of your brain. And just understanding that can be so helpful. But the big key for me was understanding that it feels like you're hijacked. It feels like it's taking over. But the way that your brain works is that that survival part of your brain never fully takes over. You always have a choice. Um, and that's, that's where the power comes in. And yeah, and I do think also, I mean, I think there's definitely merit to what you're saying because and I've been lately into like, minimalism and stuff and they talk all about how you know shopping is is a habit and you know and those kinds of and it's the same kind of thing like um you know you kind of get yourself into this situation over and over and over like by maybe you know you keep trying to diet I know I mean my grandmother was on a diet her entire life you know so you kind of grow up with that with that idea and then you're like 
So you're the kind of the same way. And then, you know, you're constantly trying this new diet, this new diet, this new diet. And so you probably fall into that same pattern. Do you agree or? Yeah. And it, it's really like this cycle that starts. Seriously, Caitlin, like, I'm not saying I know this. This is just a theory. But I just have this theory that if we all had acceptance for our own body shapes and if diet wasn't even a thing, like, our bodies regulate our appetite really well when we're not trying to restrict our calories or when we're not in cycles of eating too much. Like, I think if you're just like, hey, this is the shape of my body and I eat how my body is telling me to eat, I think we'd all just be okay. But we live in this diet culture where it really does create this cycle of like deprivation, then you're overeating because you're deprived, and then you get into a habit of binge eating. So no matter what you do, you're in this habit. And it's it's a tough cycle to get into. And um, I mean, especially, I mean, with I was in it so much when I was low fat dieting and eating diet type foods. And I felt like when I started to eat more of a, of a, like a diet closer to what my, my great grandparents or, you know, past generations, hundreds, hundred or two or three or four hundred years ago would have eaten. Then I, I found that the habit, the habitual part of it went way down. Like it wasn't the, it wasn't the, the end all be all, but it helped so much because I was like, I was actually crave, stopped craving like from the inside, you know, and, and I didn't have so many like overriding, like my brain wasn't trying to take over my body, like, and raid the fridge as much as it used to because there was like less nutritional deficiency. So, I mean, that has to play a part in what you do too, right? Yeah, there are lots of factors. Really what I specialize in and what I feel like is one of the most powerful variables is is the mental shift. So like understanding how our brains work. Like like for you, Caitlin, you were saying, you know, once you started eating this certain way and it felt more like, you know, just you know, how your ancestors ate or like there was probably this mental shift for you of like, I'm eating in a way that makes me feel good, in a way that is healthy. Like someone could probably eat that exact same way, but have a mental mindset of I'm eating this because I have to, because I'm dieting, because I need to lose weight, because I'm miserable, and it, it could not serve them as well. So it's like, I mean, nutrition, I mean, all these things are important. These are all things that, you know, I, I coach on, like eating and, you know, eating well is definitely a factor. But I find that the mental mindset, you know, the diet mentality versus just the health, like lifestyle mentality, um, makes a big difference. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, if, I mean, I've seen that so many times on, you know, I do think that a paleo diet is a good place for people to start with. But if they view that as very restrictive, uh, then they probably won't do well with it because, you know, if they're feeling very deprived and all that, then, you know, but I came into it from a health, from a health because of my thyroid problem and my, you know, autoimmune disease. So I came into it not from a weight loss perspective, but from a healing perspective. And so for me, it wasn't like, oh my God, you know, I can never have this or that or whatever. It was more like a choice. So I think that it really, and I did a, we did a podcast about that last week. Like if your mindset is about coming into this for losing weight, then it's not, 
it's not going to work for you. And I mean, I'm sure you see that in your clients too. Yeah. And what I, um, what I always try to refocus people on is like, yeah, you may lose weight, but let's have it be a side effect, right? Like I have clients who have lost 200 pounds, you know, but it's like, it was a side effect of the lifestyle changes they were making. And it's just kind of this subtle mind shift that makes things sustainable, that, you know, makes things um, long term, that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that was one thing I saw with so many, as I was a personal trainer for seven years. So I saw many, many people, you know, who had lost weight over and over and over and over. But it was like, their mindset was all wrong about it. And so it just seemed like they never really got anywhere, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so just the the mindset difference, I think, is one of the most powerful things that we can look at. So um, do you feel like there's certain foods that contribute to binge eating? Or Yeah, I that's a really good question. I think that that's kind of a prevalent thought, that there are certain trigger foods that people have. For instance, for a long time, I thought for me, peanut butter, because that was something that I would constantly binge on, um, was a trigger. So I did not eat peanut butter I was definitely more than a year. Like I would make a sandwich for my little girl. I wouldn't like the knife. If I had it on my fingers, I would like wash off my hands. Like I, like peanut butter didn't touch my anything, like my mouth, my tongue. Like I was so scared of it. I was so scared of it. So, I mean, I think I ate peanut butter earlier today. Like I'm fine with peanut butter now. So I think it's one of those things that I wouldn't say that any foods contribute to binge eating. I think that we create habits in our brain. So like what fires together, wires together. So if peanut butter is really linked to binging for you, then it may bring on those binge feelings. But those urges to binge are totally separate than you actually making that choice to binge. And I know that if you are into this cycle right now, it probably doesn't feel separate. But that's one thing I help people do is to separate that. Because you sometimes have this urge you feel like it's never going to go away. But if you can navigate around that, the urge just melts away, no matter what the food is. I think some foods are more satiating and healthy, and I think that's a good thing. But I would say there's no food that can make you binge, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, I think you, I mean, I have certain foods the same way. It's like, okay, that food, you know, you blame that food for the binge that you had or whatever. And you're like, I'm never going to buy that again or whatever. But really, you might just binge on something else the next time. So it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, and we have this language around it. Like, you know, oh, I'm a, I'm a chocoholic. As yeah. in like, like if you have chocolate, you literally like, like that's going to wreck your life. You know what I mean? And I mean, I, I totally empathize with that feeling, but like, we also perpetuate that idea by, by, you know, calling it things like that. Like I am powerless around, you know, fill in the blank, you know, give yourself back some power, you know, <laughs> like you, like, this is a thing that there's a lot of hope for and changing. Yeah. And definitely, I mean, our word is our law, right? In our universe. I mean, if we're like, I can never eat peanut butter. Well then, you know, you can't, you know, but it's, <laughs> there you go. It's like, if you constantly say, well, you know, I can't control myself around, you know, ice cream. Well, then that's true for you, you know, becomes true for you, whether or not it is true. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, um, so the foods are, we kind of create these enemies in our mind with the food a little bit, you think? Yeah, and it's so nice to not have to fight anymore. Like, I really thought of my body as my enemy. I really thought of food as my enemy. I really thought of, like, restaurants as my enemy. Like, it's really nice to just not have to fight with everything anymore. Um, so it's it's a it's a beautiful place to, to get to. And I love seeing that happen in people's lives. Yeah, I mean, you, ha- you have to start to trust yourself a little bit more and and trust your body and and listen to your body I mean isn't one of the biggest problems is just people trying to do 27 things at once and then they didn't even know that they ate something and so then they want to eat like twice or three times as much well there's I mean mindless eating is totally a true thing you know it's like I don't know too many people that are like halfway through their popcorn at the movie and they're like I'm just stuffed I couldn't have another kernel you know what I mean like we get distracted and we definitely you know there's there's mindless eating I think that the nice thing is that when you are recovered from a cycle of like binge eating then you it doesn't mean that you're this perfect eater like I really enjoyed being more mindful in my eating or like eating healthier. It's so much easier to develop those good eating habits once you're rid of your eating like cycles and addictions. Like get get the binge eating out of the way and then refine just your everyday eating because um, it's really hard to do that. Like it was really hard to just eat normally when I was in waves eating so abnormally. And it can be hard to, like, it's almost like you're, I don't know, you're on a tightrope. You're just, like, afraid to, like, take that next step of, like, okay, if it's okay for me to eat in a restaurant, I can trust myself to, like, just eat half or whatever the amount that you, that is actually the the amount that would be filling, you know. Yeah. And it's one of those things that's, it, I know that for me and a lot of the clients that I work with, when you're in a cycle of binge eating, it's very hard to tell. Like I could really never feel when I was full. Seriously, I would experiment after every bite. Am I full? Am I full? And I just, it was like that signal was turned off. I think my, your body just does that because it's, it just wants this massive amount of food. But I remember I just felt like I had this superpower, like, um, you know, a few months, I don't ex- know exactly how long, but after I was fully recovered from binge eating, I remember the first time that I felt that I was like, whoa, I feel full. I couldn't take another bite. Like, I thought that was a totally made-up imaginary unicorn sort of feeling that, like, people just bragged about, but nobody really felt. But it's true. Like, you can feel full. You only feel it on, like, a Las Vegas buffet or something. (laughs) Yeah. There you go. Um, All right. So, I mean, why is it so hard for people to stop binge eating then? Yeah. So, I... So that understanding of how binge eating works in your brain, I don't know if I would have found a way to stop binge eating. It felt so impossible to me before um, I just intellectually understood the principles um, that I teach now and then also kind of have that that insight or that understanding where it clicks like, wow, yeah, like 
I intellectually understand it and now I like I I know it. So when it feels like you're being hijacked or when you're in the cycle, like the the habit perpetuates itself. So a few reasons why it's so hard to stop is number one, it's hard to step out of the cycle when after you binge you feel like you have to recover. So one of the best ways to do is like, hey, I binged and now I'm just going to eat normal as opposed to now I'm going to eat on an, an extreme diet to make up for it. Oh, like so just, if yeah, just, a, if you have a bad episode or <laughs> I don't want to say, I don't like these guilt words, but you have out of control episode um, that then you would just rather than try to make up for it, just eat normally. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, Adequate eating is a much better reaction because it doesn't throw you back into that cycle. So that's something that can help. Um, But I also don't want to create this list of like, you know, do this and do this. Like, I know for me, it was really kind of in an instant of understanding, oh, okay, so that's how my brain works. Because the other reason why it's so hard to stop is because we think we don't have control. If you have this belief that you are binge eating because of the stress in your relationship, your mind will not allow you the belief that you can stop before your stressful relationship is totally resolved. So when we add all of these things on top of it, it's really hard to stop when we believe that we have to fix all this stuff in our life before we can just stop eating this food. Oh, like if you think you have to fix your relationship with your mother or something like that before you can stop binge eating. Yeah. And, and that's a pretty traditional like therapy approach is like, you know, well, let's fix these things that are the root cause of the binge eating. Um, and what was so effective for me is, well, let's just fix the binge eating and then work on your relationship with your mom. If you want to, it sure is easier now that you're not binging when you're at her house, you know, like, um, I, I appreciate kind of a more simple, direct approach. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I back on the guilt again. Why do we have so much guilt around it and and hiding and you know all that? Yeah. Oh, and it's so hard. Like <laughs> that feeling of like, what did I do? And you just feel you just feel, there's so many layers of guilt, and then you feel bad because you feel bad. Like, and then you you know, you feel bad about the consequences of what you've done. Like, it's just layers and layers that are so nice to be free of. Your pants are tighter. <laughs> exactly. And then it reminds you all, all the day. Um, so I think that one reason why we feel bad is, you know, always going back to these neurological principles of when we're, when we're in a, a binge eating episode, when we're actually binge eating, um, a lot of that is driven by that lower survival part of our brain. So like, um, I have a, a video series where I call it the chatter brain. You know, it's this one that's like, oh, you should have a brownie. You should have a brownie. You won't be happy until you have a brownie. You've had a hard day. You should have a brownie. You know, it's like it kind of has that chatter to drive you toward that. So when that part of your brain is kind of feels like it's taken over and you're binge eating, that lo- the other part of your brain, like this logical part of your brain that really feels like you, I call it the you brain, um, is kind of checked out. It's It's that in a haze, hijacked zombie feeling that we talked about, right? Like possessed. Um, And I think one reason why we feel so bad afterwards is because that the you part of your brain, the logical part of your brain 
wakes up and it looks around at the wreckage and it says, what? I did that? And it's so confusing because we're like, this part of our brain feels bad about it, doesn't feel good about that choice that we made, feels embarrassed, but it's feeling the guilt for everything that that other girl did, but that other girl lives in our head, you know? So it's like this, this weird, um, like guilt that the logical part of us feels for the things that the illogical survival part of us does. I see. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize that they have to, that, that voice in their head is not really them. I, I think some people don't realize that there's, two parts of us or, you know, hopefully not more than that, <laughs> but, um, but that, that there's that, that voice telling you to eat the brownie and all that stuff is not really you. It's just like that kind of like the same voice that tells you you're not pretty and all that. That's not real either, you know? Yeah. And that part of us, you know, um, I feel like a lot of us when we first learn this, we start hating that part of us, like that, that brain that tells us we're not pretty and that tells us we should eat all the brownies and like, but it's a really important part of you. Like it's the part that, you know, regulates your eating when you're in a normal place and regulates your sleep and like protects you. Like it's the part that if you're, yeah, exactly. Keeps you alive. It's the part that will like throw you out in traffic to save your toddler before it gets hit by a truck. Like right. you don't want your logical brain weighing the pros and cons. Like you just want your your you know <laughs> lower survival brain to just save your kid. So this is a really important part of our brain, but yeah, it's not it's not really like us. Like it's a mechanism in our brain. And the thing that feels like us is the thing that like wants to be free of binge eating. And it's a thing that wants better things for our life. And it's a thing that feels bad for the choices that we make that don't serve us. Um, one really, really instrumental like principle um, that's a good thing to understand that, you know, if you're, if your listeners could, you know, take this away, this would be a great thing is that lower part of your brain that binges. The only thing it can do is send messages to you and send urges, you know, try to convince you to binge the only part, the only part of your brain that can actually go to the fridge and open it up or walk into the kitchen or take a fork and put a piece of chocolate in your mouth. Not that you would be eating chunks of chocolate with a fork. Sorry, that was a weird image. Um, but the only part of your brain Maybe that can physically... Yeah, okay, ice cream there. Ice cream with a fork. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, you're in a trance. <laughs> there you go. There. You know what? Yep, I'm, I'm probably eating ice cream with a fork. Um, so the only part of your brain that can actually physically do those things is that logical part of your brain. So if you can kind of wake up to that logic and realize like none of those urges or messages to binge can actually be acted on unless your higher brain, the you brain, the logical brain actually agrees to it. And once you know you really have that power and that kind of sinks in for you, that can be one of the most powerful things to stop your binge cycle and for lots of other things in your life. Um, so, so how do you do that? 
Yeah. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> so um, there is, there's a method that um, I teach in most all of my videos. I try to bring it back to this. Um, but it's really to kind of, you know, wake up that part of your brain. So when, when ideas are, when those urges are kind of spinning around in our own mind, um, they're kind of hard to get out of within your brain. And so I, I have three steps that are kind of a process to bring those urges and those thoughts of your chatter brain up to your higher logical brain. And it's so, so fun to see people do this process. And like, seriously, like you're going to look crazy, but just try it because it's really cool. <laughs> um, so number one is to say it. So like whatever that thought is, like, for instance, you know, if the, if the chatter thought from the lower brain is, you know what, like you should just have some dessert because you're alone and because nobody will see and because you've had a really stressful day. Inside your own head, that can feel like a really good idea to the point where you're actually acting on it. But when we say it out loud, and the out loud part is actually important because the part of our brain, that us brain, the you brain, the logical brain, is actually in charge of speech as well. So saying it out loud, you're kind of waking up that part of your brain. So you might say something out loud like, okay, the, so the chatter brain is saying that I'm tired and I'm stressed and I'm alone, so I should eat a bunch of stuff and have dessert. So you want to say it out loud. Yes, so say it out loud. Or maybe so like write it down or, some, or both. You could... I find that when you use your audible voice, it uses that logical part of your brain. And it's, I've had, I've had people that are like, I've been writing it down and I don't feel a difference. And they'll say it out loud. And it's like, it, it makes a difference. So I would say, I mean, saying it out loud, I found has been most helpful for my, client, my clients. Okay. So number one is say it. Number two is separate it. So instead of saying like, Hey, I'm so stressed. I feel like I should have dessert like give the ownership to that chatter part of your brain. So you might say something like the chatter is saying that I'm so stressed and I'm alone. So I should have dessert. So number two is separate it. So say the chatter brain or your lower brain or Sally or whatever you want to call that other part of your brain. Um, so you would and- say like, I'm, I'm stressed out. So I need to have chocolate. Yeah, and then the separate part would be that the chatter brain is saying that I'm so stressed out, I should have chocolate. Okay. And then the third step is stare at it. Like, really look at that thought. So, um, for instance, and when you try this, you'll, you'll understand the experience, you know, better. But inside your head, that can feel like a totally, totally valid thought. Uh, a reaction that a lot of my clients have when they really try this process is like they'll start laughing. Like, oh, the chatter is saying that I should have chocolate because I'm sad. And then they'll start laughing. They're like, what? Why should I have chocolate? Because I'm sad. Like, it's this cool, like you can physically see what's happening neurologically because it's not just a thought in their head. They're looking at the thought now with the logical part of their brain. And the logical part of their brain knows that eating a bunch of chocolate is not actually going to help them to feel less sad. And intellectually, we may understand those things. Those are the things that after our binge, like, well, why did I eat all that? Like, that didn't help me feel less lonely. 
but it seemed like a good idea until after the fact. This is helping you with your logical brain see that it's not a good idea before you actually binge. And what happens is a lot of times the urges just kind of, you know, melt away because they don't have power once they're kind of out in the open. And this is a principle that works with so many different things in life. Like I can seriously like say my chatter out loud with relationships, you know, like I can be like, you know, hey, husband, the chatter is saying that because you left your socks on the floor, you don't care about me. And you can really feel those true emotions when it's in your head. But when you say it out loud, you're like, oh, no, he cares about me. So it's just playing with the neurology and bringing things to your logical brain. So, I mean, when you say stare at it, like, but you haven't written it down. So what are you looking at? <laughs> no, good question. I mean, you could write it down and look at it. But um, the stare at it just means like, take that pause, take that moment and, and look at what you just said, even just, you know, the, the out loud sort of look at it. So a good question um, to ask is, oh, isn't that interesting? That's a good follow-up question. Like, oh, the chatter saying I should eat tons of chocolate because I'm lonely. Oh, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? You're just taking this moment to think of it logically. Um, and it lets your brain have this moment to have more insight about what's happening. And don't worry if, like, I mean, these are steps to create an environment in your brain to start this process of freedom. This isn't like, hey, you're gonna try it the first time and if it doesn't solve all your problems, like, you know, you're you're doomed. Like this is we're creating an environment. Well I think it's also just a lot of times, I mean, this is in a lot of different uh, problems in life. I mean, I heard something similar sort of thing with like um over programming your your life, you know just it's like taking a pause and like stepping back and just being like well let me check my calendar and get back to you so you're sort of like taking a, a a step back and being like okay well let's look at this 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 thought that i'm having you know and like separate it out is it just chatter is it just is it just my you know survival instinct you know is it really a real message or is it just you know, some sort of coping mechanism and then like taking a step back and saying, you know, okay, this is what I'm hearing myself say, but, you know, and just taking a real look at it and just because I think what the common uh, thing is when you are binge eating, it's just like run to the fridge, throw it open. Like, let's say, you know, you're, you got somebody broke up with you or something. Okay. You just throw open the fridge there's no pausing, there's no thinking, there's no, like, let me breathe and just, like, see is this really real, you know, it's just like that you just go straight into that, like, you know, mindless eating, like, kind of craziness, right? Yeah, and it, I mean, the mindfulness principles are so important, I think, with everything in life, and yeah, just like having that moment of pause, you know, before or after, or like it just experiencing our emotions and not having to always numb them, you know, like it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be hurt. If somebody breaks up with you, you can just like melt into the sorrow. Like it's not going to kill you. It's good for you to like 
you know, you have a range of emotions. So yeah. And, and there's also more help around like your survival brain feels very urgent, like that chatter brain. Um, so being able to take that break, sometimes it's hard to in the moment. So it can be good. Um, I have a, a video called four reasons why you won't do this. And one of them is like, you feel like, well, I'm agreeing to not binge if I, you know, use this process that I heard on Caitlin's podcast from Lydia, you know, but just saying like, no, I'm just going to have a mindful moment and just practice it just for fun and see, it doesn't mean I'm agreeing to anything. You can still go to the fridge. You can still binge, like just kind of calming that part of your mind. And I mean, I think, also, if you try this and then, I mean, you take a second to, you know, you maybe just need to take a walk around the block. I mean, sometimes it's just separating yourself from the space that you're in, too, so that you can actually think and and have a different, you know, reaction. Um, and maybe just drinking some water or you know, just trying to calm down another way rather than always turning to food too. Don't you think that's a helpful? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I think it's a really good habit. I know that for me, it was helpful to get my binge eating under some control because when I first, before I could start putting those habits, if you can go straight to that, that's awesome. I know that um, my binge eating, my bulimia always felt really urgent. Like I felt like it took me over and I went right to it. Like it was a nice idea to take a breath or take a walk or have a glass of water, but it just felt really impossible. So I feel like for me dealing with that gave me a little more space or even just taking a breath. If you can't take a walk, take a breath. This space can be really helpful, um, but it gets easier as you're as you have more and more recovery from binge eating, just because you it's not such an urgent thing that it feels like it's so hijacking. Uh, but but I mean, this is a way of of taking kind of a break from at least that thought pattern of like I'm just gonna eat everything inside, you know. Right. Yeah. I mean, anything that you can put in the way of that and give yourself those mindful moments is a great idea. And then, um, so you want to say it out loud and then you want to separate it out. So it'd be like, I'm so stressed. I should eat chocolate. And then you want to examine that thought and say, like, is, isn't that interesting that I think that? Because if you say it out loud and look at it, then it's probably not true. Like, the same as, um, you know, my husband left his shoes by the, by the couch, so he doesn't love me. Or doesn't respect my time, or doesn't care about me, or doesn't, you know, yeah. wants to be cleaned up. Like, we have all sorts of those thoughts. So, yeah, exactly. And I would just say, the more you can separate it, you know, like you were saying, like, this is a thought that I'm having. I would even say, you know, this is a thought that the chatter is having. Or isn't that interesting that I'm having this thought? Well, isn't it interesting the chatter is having this thought? Like, really give yourself that space and, you know, lack of ownership from these thoughts um, because they're really not you. And intellectually, this make this might make sense like, oh, well, no, it's not it doesn't cure loneliness to eat chocolate. But sometimes you need to bring that to your logical brain to kind of like 
feel it, you know, to like feel that it's not a good idea. That's different than just intellectually. We all know intellectually it's not a good idea to eat masses of food until you hurt. Like, but actually putting that into practice of not doing that is a different thing. Knowing and doing are different. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, we all know that that we don't we're not going to feel good if we eat every single thing in the fridge but it doesn't mean that we won't do it (laughs) in um the short term so um do you have any thoughts about this new like a lot of these new drugs coming out for for uh binge eating disorder so I, I don't know, I'll get into trouble by just, I'm just going to be me and say what I think. Like I say, if you can do something, like if you can have recovery by understanding your brain, why take a drug? Like drugs always have side effects. I, I, I always feel like anything that you can do without a drug, do that. I think there's definitely a place for drugs. I think that they're important in a lot of different situations. But there's also money to be made by pharmaceutical industries that like, oh, this is something that everyone suffers from. Like, I just, I have something that is a pill, I don't know, is as sustainable as something where you're actually changing your brain. Like, it's your brain. Like, work with your brain. Work with it your may, body. It may change your brain permanently. In a, in <laughs> yeah, a so it may be a way that you don't want, right? Like, right. there's always a risk to like anything that's a medication or foreign not that that isn't the right choice but I know like the clients that I work with like hey if you can try something that's natural first if you can you know understand your thoughts like why not do that because no matter what it is no matter what it seems there really is no miracle pill or easy fix I find that so many people will jump to something thinking that it will be lasting and it's easy and I find that things that are lasting do take take work and they take vulnerability and like, um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I know it's hard to hear. I wish it were like easier and we could take a magic pill and no side effects. But I don't know. I kind of like the journey of not doing it. You know, the hard isn't bad um, well, and it. real isn't bad. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think what we don't realize is, I mean, you can always name everything and make it into and as a syndrome or whatever. I mean, I know binge eating is, is a real thing and, you know, it's something that you need to get a handle on. But the, the real thing is that you have to take care of yourself and it's an everyday battle. And, you know, you have to, we're all stressed out and we have to, we have to eat right and we have to sleep well and, you know, we have to find ways to deal with our stress because that's always going to come back over and over and over. You know, I mean, you if you look at a time in your life when you see that you were uh, out of control in some way, you know, you can always look back at, you know, what was really going on during that time. And, you know, the, the fact is, it's like a shower. You know, we need a, we need to do all of these things daily to stay in between the rails and... Um, so no pill is going to just solve all those problems because you're always going to have to take care of yourself. It's not going to go away. So, 
Yeah. yeah. Amen. <laughs> Agreed. That's what I think. And, you know, if you think that everyone else has it figured out and you're the only one dealing with this, it's like, that's not true at all. Like, you're, you know, everyone else is fighting the same struggle and, and all, I mean, or similar or something else or some other thing that they're dealing with, but nobody's got it all figured out, you know. Um, so, Lydia, what, you know, I, you just made a new um, ebook for people. How can they get that? I did. I have an ebook called How to Stop Binge Eating. <laughs> I just thought I'd get right to the point, right? Um, so, yes, uh, people can, it's a free download um, and it has like 10 interactive videos. I do videos as well. So, um, if they go to lydiawenty.com, um, you can get the ebook and um, get my newsletter with weekly videos, um, and it'll just come right to your inbox. Um, people can also go to lydiavideo.com, and that will take you to my YouTube channel. I release new videos every Monday um, with kind of a different principle around this, um, and they're just kind of like fun, short, light, crazy, kind of embarrassing, but hopefully they're helpful videos. Um, and that that would probably be the the two best sources to um, uh, you know just get more resources on this. Like Kaylin, I just wanted to thank you so much for having me on because we're talking about you know these these drugs for binge eating disorder, and I was like I, I probably would have been so receptive to that when I didn't have hope around this. Like I really didn't know if there was an answer in recovery for me to ever get out of this cycle and the only thing that was lacking is I didn't know about these principles that I now teach. So thank you for having me on. I hope that somebody who doesn't know about this now knows about it. Like, let's just let everyone know about it. Um, so yeah, it's fun. Well, it's so generous of you to share your um, approach and what is worked for you, because I think everyone needs all the help they can get to fix their nutrition, fix their lifestyle and, you know, stay on a healthy plan for them and each person has to craft that for themselves and try this and try that and then you know there's no one thing that's going to work for everyone so we all have to and thank god you know for the internet and all this stuff because I know when I was in high school and when I was in college and none of those things existed uh I mean the internet was like just starting so it wasn't, we didn't have all these podcasts and all these great things where people can connect. And I'm just so glad that now, you know, hopefully young girls can find the information and, you know, boys too, of course, that, that need, you know, you're not alone and you can, there is lots of things you can do to help yourself. And, you know, if you do have a problem, maybe you know more, do you know anywhere they can call or something if they're experiencing some serious, you know, health or, you know, eating problems? Oh, yeah. I wish I wish I did know, like, a, I, I'm not sure of a resource like that, but there's a form on my website, and you're, I mean, that goes right to me personally. You can always say hi. I love to hear people's stories. You can comment on the videos. I answer those comments. Like, you know, we all have our different struggles and our different journeys, but it doesn't mean we have to do any of it alone. I think we're building this really wonderful community of just 
you know, understanding and real answers and support. And I think it's a great thing that everyone is invited to. So, yeah, I mean, same thing at my contact form on my grass fed girl. If you, you know, need some help, we can always point you to some resources where you can talk to somebody about what's going on. So, um, Well, we're so thankful that you're listening today and just let us know if you have any questions. You can always write me and please leave a review at uh, iTunes and you can always subscribe to my email newsletter at grassfedlist.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time. Thanks, Lydia. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you.